Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today, let me describe what my nails look like to you, okay, listeners, and to you, because you got to look really, really close to see the faint remainders of a manicure that I got a few weeks ago because I was a maid of honor in a wedding. Mm-hmm. Very proud of that. And the bride sent a, uh, I just you know, mere suggestion of of. <laughs> The, the women she, uh, the bridesmaids should get manicures. And so I, I still have the remains of bubble bath on my nails. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it was a very, very, very faint pink. I see. Which, as we will learn later in the podcast, was a lot like some of the earliest manicures that right. came into vogue. Exactly. But I'm not, I don't, I typically don't wear nail polish um, on my fingers. I've actually started wearing nail polish a little bit more often than I used to because I don't know why color on my nails to me makes my hands look strange. It's distracting. Mm-hmm. It can be distracting if you pick a wild color. But I can't uh, actually get manicures too often, A, because I don't want to spend the money. Right. But B, um, I have really kind of flimsy nails and nail polish doesn't quite stay on. It'll just slide right <laughs> off. <laughs> Just into a puddle right at my fingertips. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to stay on, and so I don't want to spend... I mean, I can see spending the money <clears throat> to get, like, one of those man manicures, you know, where they where they do the lotion and they do the, the trimming and the buffing and whatever. You get a little hand massage. Yeah, but they don't actually put the polish on. Like, I would go in for that, but I don't want to go pay for expensive polish, especially gel nails. It's a lot to keep up. Yeah. Um, and even though you and I are not huge nail manicure fanatics. We wanted to talk about nail polish today because of two articles that came out in the New York Times style section the first week of April that really hammered home the fact that nail polish is having quite a moment. (laughs) It is. Never mind the entire long history of nail polish. This is the era of the fingernail. This is now... For the nail. <laughs> nail polish has become, according to the New York Times article by Ruth LaFerla, the l- fastest growing segment of the beauty trade with sales even higher than lipstick. And speaking of lipstick, we got to talk about the economy and women's cosmetics for a minute. Yeah. Because we've talked about the lipstick index before, which was this phrase uh, that was created by Leonard Lauder of Estee Lauder, saying that during the Great Depression, lipstick sales went up because it was still a small luxury that women were able to purchase. Yeah. So if you want to see how the economy is doing, watch cosmetic sales, because when they go up, the stock market's probably going down. Now, this is a theory that a number of economists have debunked, but sorry, folks, we've got to introduce you to the lacquer index. Right. Uh, the whole lipstick index slash lacquer index idea was spot on in 2010 because nail polish sales were up 13.7%. And if you just look at Revlon alone, their sales were over $1.3 billion in 2010. And there are some examples of how nail polish brands are really sparking just kind of with some insanity yeah. among people. <laughs> Chanel? Yeah, Chanel. There was this color 
Uh, I don't. I really don't want to try to bust out a French accent right now. Don't. I never took French. I I did. What so is it? it's it's a color. It's like a mushroom gray color. That is the French word for particular. Oh, I'm <laughs> not going to try- say it either. I feel foolish. <laughs> Particulier. That's close enough. That's all I got. Just, if you want to pronounce a French word, just say it in the back of your throat like you're coughing, and that's what it sounds like. Particulier. Perfect. Nail polish. Also, that'd be hard to say if you were wearing it. I was like, oh, what color is that? You'd have to (laughs) bust that out. It's particular. But, uh, yeah, there was this 2010 color from Chanel, which was really just a gray-brown, pretty Mm -hmm. drab color. It was so popular, um, it was called the It Color for that year, that there were waiting lists and bidding wars on eBay. And NBC New York mentioned um, that the previous Chanel It Color, which was Jade, much easier to pronounce... <laughs> Uh, it's but, not, it's not Jade. Jade, perhaps. <laughs> uh, Jade, a bottle of Jade on eBay fetched up to 200 bucks. I mean, I don't understand. I, I do think it's interesting that Chanel is such a leader. I mean, Chanel is a fancy brand. Most people can't afford their clothes or their handbags. But, and this is the whole idea behind like simple luxuries when the economy is bad. Chanel nail polish is very popular, and it's a major trendsetter. It's funny because when they put out a color, there are immediately waiting lists and people bidding over it on eBay. And then the copycats start, and then it ends up in magazines, and then it ends up on your fingers. Because right. all of a sudden you think, hey, maybe mushroom isn't so ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Or if you don't like mushroom, uh, Ruth LaFerrell at New York Times also reported on um, a niche company called Strange Beautiful that apparently introduced a color meant to mimic menstrual blood. That's right. I mean, aren't there a million kinds of reds? Couldn't you just pick one without having to do that? I mean, menstrual blood is a pretty particular shade of red, apparently. I, I guess, yeah. For everybody, it's different? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that is a good question. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's apparently having this fashion moment. And also, the New York Times, I'm, I gotta say it, laughably followed up with a reactionary piece to green and yellow shades that are having a moment right now thanks to stars like Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj who wear all sorts of crazy colors on their nails. And Stephanie Rosenblum went out and interviewed a number of men to get their thoughts on these green and yellow shades. And boy, howdy, do they not like them. No, and Richard Dorman, an editor at Esquire, was particularly upset. I mean, he really has it out for these colors. He said, it's the color of mucus, it's the color of infection, it's the color of old piano keys. But no, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there? He doesn't. He keeps going. He really, yellow must have hurt him as a child somehow. He says, it's like wearing Uggs, it's like wearing ponchos, it's all of the things that confound the male psyche. So he's basically pointing out, like, women, why do you do such weird things that don't appeal to men? Why would you ever do something like that? Although, I gotta say, hats off to the guy she quoted, not, not dormant from Esquire, but she quoted an, another guy comparing the yellows and greens to, uh, old school high C, um, ecto cooler, which was the promotional drink for Ghostbusters. Right. I drank that in second grade. Yeah. And who I knew? rocked it. <laughs> 
Now you can rock it on your fingertips. I know. But why are we talking about nail polish? Because the thing is with these trend pieces, they are kind of funny when you consider the history of nail polish that goes back as far as, oh, 5000 BC. There's nothing new about us painting our nails. Yeah, we, I mean, we do it for various reasons, but it's been going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. It just seems like maybe we're wearing more outrageous shades more often. But let's talk about the history. Let's. Yeah, back in 5000 BC, women in India were dyeing their fingertips with henna, which is still, it's not an unusual practice today either. Um, and then in 3000 BC, the Chinese painted their nails with an interesting mixture of egg whites, beeswax, gelatin, Arabic gum, and vegetable dye. And the color was chosen according to what the ruling dynasty was, usually red or black, depending on who was in power. I wonder if there are DIY nail polish makers who use that Chinese recipe out there. Maybe. It just seems like it would chip off or something, flake off, fall off, be heavy and gross. I don't know. And then in 600 BC, and this is coming from um, a slideshow off of Refinery 29, um, aristocrats during the Chow Dynasty in China started wearing these nail guards that look kind of like bugles when you put them on your fingertips. <laughs> yes. And, but, but rather than being made out of corn product, of course, um, these nail guards were made of gold and silver and bejeweled. Right. Symbolic of wealth and leisure. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... It's not like you could do anything with those things on your fingers if you've ever tried to type with bugles on your hands. <laughs> bugles are also the snack of wealth and leisure, too, if you didn't know. Exactly. And going into Egypt, because, as we all know, Egyptian women were trendsetters, the upper classes used henna or sometimes ox blood to achieve a red hue. And the redder the color, the higher the class. So, and according to some of the things we read, Cleopatra preferred brick red. She liked a deeper color. Mm. And then hopping forward a number of centuries to the 1400s, uh, I thought this was really cool. Incas actually invented nail art as we know it. Uh, they would paint intricate pictures of eagles on their nails. Yeah. That's, I guess it passed the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of nail, nail art history in the Dark Ages. No. In, in Europe. They, uh, they were just trying not to die. <laughs> things to worry about. Um, but women during the Renaissance began manicuring their nails, although they avoided color. So they weren't, you know, going out and getting blood to dye their nails with. They were just buffing and shining. Just buffing and shining. And then during the Victorian era, um, translucent manicures were popular. It was it was a sign of in, inner purity if your nails were kept buffed and cleaned and polished. Yeah, and they would use different oils to keep them all nice and shiny. Um, and in 1919, the first patent for nail polish was granted, and it was a modification of car paint that had a syrup-like consistency and a faint pink color, which Kristen was referring to earlier when she talked about her very faint wedding manicure. It was They, they weren't going crazy. They weren't going dark red or anything controversial. I mean... It was the Victorians, people. Yeah, I think about it kind of like a lip stain rather than lipstick, just that, that very mm-hmm. um, thin coating of paint. And then in the 1920s, the flappers come along and really rev things up on the nails. <laughs> yeah, they started the ever-popular moon manicure, which I had never heard of, but I feel like it's 
it's all over the internet. You Google moon manicure and people are crazy for it. Well, tell everyone what a moon manicure is. It is painting sort of in the middle of the nail over your little, the little moon shape paler skin mm-hmm. on your nail bed uh, and leaving the tips bare, although there was a variation that painted the whole nail except for the moon. It looks pretty cool. And like you said, there are a ton of vintage advertisements for early nail polish online that show off that that moon manicure if you want to mm-hmm. check it out. Um, and flappers also popularized the bolder red nails. Mm-hmm. But the 1930s is really the decade of nail polish, modern nail polish, because in 1931, Charles Revson gets a job selling cosmetics for Elka, which was America's first opaque lacquer brand. And this is coming from a history article off of the daily.com. Um, and so he starts selling this nail lacquer, and then he teams up with his brother Joseph and Charles Lackman and starts the Revlon Nail Enamel Company. And then in spring 1934, Revlon cream-colored polish takes off. But this is a revolutionary product because rather than just being more of a stain, it's actually that hard enamel cover that we think of today. Right, and French makeup artist Michelle Menard is credited with the idea, supposedly inspired by auto paint, which makes sense. And in the 1920s, um, colors, the, the color spectrum of nail polish really opened up because of the invention of synthetic pigments and solvents. And also on a side note, because of that, there was um, a trend in the 1920s in France for green nails that was modeled off of highly toxic green fuselage paint for aircraft. Suffering for fashion. Suffering for fashion. But because we have those synthetic pigments and solvents, we have more colors available. And then Revson and his friends come along and create the, uh, or recreate, I guess, the formula for nail polish. Not everybody was so happy with all of these trends in nail polish, however. Dr. Carl Menninger in 1934 told the American Psychiatric Association... You know, those darn flappers. He said that bobbed hair and painted nails were self-mutilations as serious as anorexia and self-cutting. So he thought that doing anything unnatural was just horrible. Well, it was like how the, you know, excessive use of cosmetics, even just putting on red lipstick, started out being associated with prostitutes and then with actresses who were not held in very high regard until the rise of Hollywood and the whole movie culture, which then trickled down through the flappers. So red nails, wanton woman alert. Well, Menninger was in the minority because that same year, 1934, dentist Maxwell Lapp created the first set of fake nails for clients who bit their nails. So that's where we got that from. And then in 1955, another dentist... Uh, Frederick Slack accidentally invented the acrylic sculpting nail extension when he was trying to mend a broken nail with acrylic. Thank you, dentists, for (laughs) all all this nail technology. Apparently they weren't busy enough. Uh, In the 1960s, pastel shades started to gain popularity. And in the 70s, that's when those long, fake nails really became popular and took off. And beauty salons started opening at a higher rate to answer demand. And in 1976, something that is not actually French was invented. What happened? Jeff Pink creates the French manicure, and he is the one who founded Orly in 1975. And then in the 1980s, we've got, you know, the wild and wacky neon day glow kind of colors. And then in the 1990s, um, a lot of red and nude comes back into style, along with, got to talk about goth. 
And, and grunge. And grunge and black nails, but especially chipped black nails. But you didn't need nail polish for that. You could just get a Sharpie, <laughs> color in your nails a little bit, and you're done with right. it. Right. Well, it was in 1994 that Chanel, speaking of their trendiness, came out with Vamp, which was a really dark red color. And that, I feel like, just created pandemonium. And then in the 2000s, we have the, quote, unprecedented level of interest in nail art, where we start seeing more commonly nail adhesives, gel polish that lasts for a really long time, nail art. You, know, you can get cheetah print on your nails if you want, fishnet print. You can get your your honey's face <laughs> printed on your nails. Right, or your cat or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I've tried gel polish before, and it absolutely decimated my nails. Oh, dear. Yeah, I, the first time I ever did it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what fingernails can look like with a manicure. And, you know, they're called the two-week manicures because they, they last so much longer than regular nail polish. But the stuff that I had to soak my hands in to get the stuff off was, I, I don't know, it had to be completely and awfully toxic because my fingers just looked disgusting afterward. So... Maybe that's not for me. <laughs> a word of caution. Yeah. Um, and we have, I should mention that um, we did a podcast now probably a couple of years ago on nail salons and all of those chemicals that go into manicures that you might want to watch out for that can also cause some health problems for nail salon workers. Right. So we've established that nail polish has quite an extensive history. It's nothing new that we're doing, but... One thing that seems pretty consistent, especially when you get down to the more granular level of what's happening and all of the the fads in the 20th century, it is very clearly something that becomes associated with beauty and women. Mm -hmm. While plenty of men might go get manicures, the kind where they just clean up your nails, still for a guy to have on nail polish is a gender-bending kind of activity that we first really saw in pop culture in the 1970s with Freddie Mercury and David Bowie Mm -hmm. sporting black nail polish and other colors. Right. Um, Allure talks about uh, Evolution Man, which is a brand of four-men-only nail polish. And founder Marco Berardini had fun painting his own nails in an effort to stop himself from biting them. And he said that, I love strong colors that make a bold statement with a stark contrast on the skin. And he talks about whether men get the perfect clean manicure, suggesting success or power, or a bold color to show they're not confined to society's rules. It's a way to express who they are. To which I say... Really? Yeah, I mean, do you really need nail polish for a man? Because isn't the the mere fact of creating that kind of product for a man? Because you, you have similar products now with makeup, too, like concealer mm-hmm. for men, all this for men. That I mean, I get it, marketing and all of that. But it's just, uh, can't, can't, can't anybody just go grab a thing of Chanel particular? Because I'm not going to say <laughs> it in French again. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But there's also, I mean... Is this a realistic trend? I mean, maybe for rock stars or what, I don't know, whatever, but is your average banker or lawyer going to go pick up a bottle of man polish and paint his fingernails? Well, and there is still the thing too of if you are a woman in a nine to five job, if you're wearing a suit to work, I mean, how often do you see those kind of women with super outrageous manicures? There is still kind of a message that it sends if you're not sort of sticking to the more standard 
kinds of manicures. Right. And, and again, it's like, are we are we putting too much into um, this nail polish? Uh, New York Times also had um, an entire room for debate section interviewing, I think, six or eight people on what this means that we're painting our nails with different colors. And it's everything from, oh, well, we've just always done this to the economy, to gender, to um, what else? Just, oh, luxury and right. all of that and expressing yourself. Well, you mentioned women, you know, not wearing wild colors in the office. Jennifer Scanlon, as part of this big New York Times piece, uh, she's a professor of gender and women's studies at Bowdoin. She says that the emergence of crazy nail colors as a mainstream trend is an issue of privilege and deprivation. And the whole privilege issue is that women must be feeling more at home in a greater variety of settings so they can enter professional settings more comfortably on their own terms, i.e. wearing green nail polish to work. Well, and if she brings up deprivation, too, even though she doesn't um, point it out in the column she wrote, uh, Jenna Sowers from Jezebel also contributed to the Room for Debate on nail polish. And she brings up the fact that nail salons have proliferated thanks to cheap labor and lax regulatory oversight of the spa in industry. And so we're really relying on a lot of, I mean, this is more going and getting your nails done, not just buying nail polish and doing it yourself, obviously. But there is still that side of it, too, where it is fueled by a lot of immigrant labor and exposure to dangerous chemicals on a daily basis. Which all of this has contributed to lower prices. Because, I mean, have you ever seen a shopping mall without a nail salon? No. I feel like there's one on every single corner. I could pick, in my neighborhood, I could pick from like three to go to within walking distance. And so this, you know, lower prices, more people being able to get manicures. Although, you know, a lot of these pieces that we read kept uh, connecting a bad economy with little luxuries like manicures. But if I'm not doing so well financially, I'm going to cut back on manicures, too. Cause, exactly. I mean, if I wanted, I could go buy a bottle of nail polish at the drugstore and paint my own freaking nails mm-hmm. <laughs> if I wanted to. But that's what some of these articles were talking about, that... The nail polish and beauty industry creates trends to get people to go back to the store and buy another bottle of nail polish, buy that crackle polish that does weird things on your fingernails, get gel nails, you know. There's even one nail polish they talked about that has iron filaments in it so that when you hold a magnet over your nails, it makes an image, like it pulls up the filaments to create some kind of image. That just seems like it takes so much time. Yeah, and then you have to carry around a magnet everywhere (laughs) to show people (laughs) the images on your nails. I think it just does it when it's wet. But um, one, one... One huge debate that came up about nail polish that perhaps to me was the peak of absurdity was uh, in April of 2011 when the J. Crew creative director Jenna Lyons was featured in one of the J. Crew catalogs painting her young son's toenails pink. And there was a caption with it that says, Lucky for me, I ended up with a boy whose favorite color is pink. Toenail painting is so much more fun in neon. And insanity ensued. Firestorm. People freaked out saying, you're painting a boy. First of all, you're painting a boy's toenails. And that is an activity reserved for girls. Yeah. And also, you're painting it pink. You are screwing up this child's personal gender schema, Jenna Lyons. Yeah, she is clearly ruining her son's uh, mental state for the rest of his life. Because obviously, he will remember this forever. And it will stick with him. And other boys will beat him up. And this will be the worst thing that has ever happened to him. It was really portrayed that way. Yeah, Aaron Brown for the Culture and Media Institute said that the uh, the magazine spread features blatant propaganda celebrating transgendered t- children. 
Whoa. Yeah, and it, do- it doesn't stop there. No. Uh, psychiatrist Keith Ablo wrote for FoxNews.com, This is a dramatic example of the way that our culture is being encouraged to abandon all trappings of gender identity, homogenizing males and females when the outcome of such psychological sterilization is not known. And yet again, all of that meaning imbued into one very tiny, tiny bottle of nail polish. Yeah. And it's funny to read the comments on um, on the post about this whole blow up, because a lot of people rushed to the defense of Jenna Lyons, basically saying, like, what does it matter? First of all, colors, the, the colors blue and pink corresponding with boys and girls, as we've discussed before, is a total arbitrary social construct. Mm-hmm. And why shouldn't a five year old boy be able to like pink? Well, and I wonder, too, if it was so much an act of her painting the nails that really ruffled feathers or if it was pink, like if it had been, say, black or a navy blue or, you know, some what was it? Marco Bernardini's Evolution Man nail varnish made for men if it would have somehow been better. So I think, yeah, I think the combination of a girl color with a girl activity just freaked everybody out. And they're like, oh, my God, this five year old doesn't have a choice. You're just forcing him to be this way. Yeah, which is silly. And and psychologist Susan Bartell did defend the behavior. She said, our kids' gender is going to emerge naturally as part of who they are and has nothing to do with whether we paint or sorry, whether we put pink nail polish on them. So So to circle back to our original question of why do we paint our nails, the answers that we have come up with are well we've got history, we have the economy, we have apparently our um, gender concepts. Um, we have what else? Luxury, Luxury. flappers. <laughs> yeah, uh, just wanting to, grooming, auto paint, grooming. They've they've painted nail polish and manicures as a way to uh, you know make yourself look better, mm-hmm. appear healthy. Fashion, celebrity worship. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> is the least succinct answer possible. <laughs> I really, the last time I got my nails painted, I just did it because my best friend said, paint your nails for my wedding. Yeah, I keep looking at my nails thinking I want to go get them done, but I just don't want to spend the money. (laughs) Get that menstrual blood color. Ah, okay. do it. All right, that's all we have to say about nail polish, and who knew that there would be so much? I know. So, do you paint your nails? Do you paint them a specific color for a specific reason? Guys out there, do you paint your nails? Yeah. Do you get manicures? Yeah. Do you believe that... As the economy plummets, more people want to get their nails painted. Do you think it's a small luxury? Or do you just cut back on that, too? Let us know. Discovery.com is our email address. And I have a letter here from Susan. And she's writing in response to our episode on potty politics. She writes, In my workplace, the first two stalls in every women's restroom contain female urinals. They look like a typical male urinal, except there is a lip jutting out. My female coworkers and I often speculated about how to use them, as we had never seen anyone in them. And as there are only six stalls per restroom to begin with, it's cut down significantly on the stalls available. Until one day, I happened to be in the restroom with a colleague from another country. She went right on in and used the urinal, and I was fascinated enough to ask how. She laughed and said it's much more sanitary because you don't have to sit down and explain that you just stand up over the long porcelain lip and go. I still never tried it, but I understand now how it could be both sanitary and likely more space efficient. So 
Thank you, Susan. And here's another email about our potty politics episode from Victoria. She said, who knew that the current stall design hasn't been changed since the mid-1800s? My uncle sells plumbing supplies, and one of his favorite stories to tell is about the automatic flush toilets. Apparently, they were first initially tested in an airport, and women were constantly complaining that they did not work, flushing way too early. The designers, all men, kept making adjustments and retesting to no avail. Finally, one man was talking to his wife about it, and she, of course, knew the problem right away. Once she explained that many women do not actually sit on the toilet but prefer to squat, particularly in public airport restrooms, they were able to make the adjustments to the sensors, allowing the automatic flush toilet to take over airports everywhere. Granted, there are still a few that flush way too early. I'm happy to say I didn't encounter any on my last trip across the country. I have totally encountered the pre-flush. It's terrifying. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> it's like a reverse bidet. <laughs> Alright, and on that note, momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also post pictures of amazing manicures <laughs> if you would like to do that. Crazy nail polish on our Facebook page. Yes, and if you wear bugles on your fingers. I'd like to see that, too. (laughs) And you can also follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And there is also a ton of information on nail upkeep, manicures, and hand health. Let's just call it that. Over at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?